Hey, thank you for listening to Real Faith Radio, presented by Praise Chapel Las Vegas. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, and wherever podcasts are streamed. You can also visit PraiseChapelLasVegas.com and follow us on social media at PC Las Vegas to stay connected with PCLV. Thank you again for listening. Here comes today's message. There's moments, I mean, we wake up, I'm not, uh, I really don't, don't need to interrupt this kind of guy. Just get on the road and just have a couple of problems. I enjoy breakfast, but I don't need that. Just not to wake up. God, I just want to get something, amen. I have a, uh, the title of my message is a question for you to this, this, this morning still, amen. And, and the question is, are you willing to take a risk? Are you willing to take a risk? How many would jump out of a plane just like these guys here? <laughs> Praise God. You know what? I trust God, but I would not jump out of a plane. <laughs> it's just not for me. But, I mean, how many know that's a risk right there, jumping out? But, but the question is, are you willing to take a risk? Listen, even if it makes you look foolish. Because if you're going to be still and know that he is God, You must be willing, say, I must be willing. You must be willing to take a risk. You must be willing to step out of your boat, even, listen, even if it makes you look foolish. You see, the problem with Christians today, that they're not willing to take a risk. Come on, they're not willing to step out of their comfort zone, especially if it's going to make them look foolish. Because nobody wants to look like a fool, right? Come on now, right? Come on, there's still a sense of pride in all of us. Come on, somebody say amen. Hallelujah. But that is what faith is all about, church. The willingness to step out. The willingness to take a risk, even if it looks foolish. See, the power of prayer helps you and I in this and gives us the willingness to be still and know that he's God. If we go back to the book of Joshua, chapter 6, you can turn there. I like this story because we can learn a lot from what's going on in this part of history. We can learn a lot about what's going on uh, with the people in the church today. You know, I I like this part of Scripture because it talks about faith, and it talks about stillness, and it talks about taking a risk. In Joshua, chapter 6, verses 1 through 5, and I'll read now the NI. Uh, the New Living Translation, it says this, Now the gates of Jericho were tightly shut because the people were afraid of the Israelites. No one was allowed to go out or in. But the Lord said to Joshua, I have given you Jericho, its king and its strong warriors. You and your fighting men should march around the town once a day for six days. Seven priests will walk ahead of of the ark, each carrying a ram's horn. On the seventh day, somebody say seventh day. On the seventh day, you are to march around the town seven times with the priests blowing the horns. When you hear the priests give one loud blast on the ram's horn, have all the people shout as loud as they can. Then these walls of the town will come, come down or collapse, and the people can charge straight into the town. Listen, circling promises, circling dreams, and circling prayers 
can often make you look foolish at times. Come on, somebody say amen. Come on, you're, you're circling uh, uh, an impossibility in your life. Uh, maybe a bad report from the doctor that you have to circle. Uh, financial troubles that you may be going through that you have to circle. And sometimes we're, we're looking for things that seem impossible, and we're doing these circlings that, that can sometimes look a little foolish. But faith is the willingness to look foolish. Noah looked foolish building a boat in the middle of the desert. Come on, a little boy named David looked foolish going up against a giant with only a slingshot. Come on, Peter uh, looked foolish stepping out of a boat in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. Jesus looked foolish wearing a crown of thorns. The Israelites looked foolish marching around Jericho. I can imagine as they marched Jericho, uh, the people of Jericho looking over the wall, looking at him saying, look at these guys, don't they look dumb? Look at them. They can't even talk. They can't even hear. And wanting to say something back. Come on, how many know they wanted to say something back? You ever felt like saying something back when someone's telling you something? Come on, wanting to say something back. They're, they're marching around these walls of Jericho saying, oh, if I can just say something to that fool up there. Come on. Wanting to say something back when somebody's putting down your faith. Uh, wanting to say something back when they're putting down your God. Uh, wanting to say something when God's telling you to be quiet. Wanting to say something back, yet they kept silent. Listen, by obeying God's word. Remember, God told them not to say a word. Read the story and don't say a word. Just march around. Do what I tell you to do. I'm going to bring a great victory. But through each of the situations I just mentioned, the results speak for themselves. Noah and his family were saved by that boat, by a flood. David defeated Goliath. Peter did walk on water. Jesus was crowned King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and the walls of Jericho came tumbling down, church. Come on, hallelujah. Come on, give the Lord some praise. That, that don't excite you? I bet you if you were there, you'd be excited. <laughs> Another person by the name of Moses was very familiar with foolishness. He felt foolish standing in front of Pharaoh, demanding, let my people go. At first, he must have felt foolish raising his staff over the Red Sea, thinking, I hope this works. Can, can you imagine Moses? Here he is. He takes them out of bondage. He's leading them through the desert. And now they run against the Red Sea. And the people are complaining. Here it is. A pastor. He's pastoring the church. He's taking them to the promised land. And the people are complaining. What kind of leader are you? Look at Here comes the Israelites. Here comes, here comes not the Israelites, but here comes the, all, all, all the Egyptians. They're going to kill us. Did you bring us out here that we die in the desert? And he's, he's here, and he's, he's hearing the mumbo, and, and he's telling the Lord, he goes, well, what are we going to do, Lord? So you've got a staff in your hand. I want you to hit the sea and watch what I do. And so Moses, he's hearing them, and he's not freaking out, so he turns around, and, and he says, the Lord will deliver us. Don't worry, guys, we, we've got it in control. And then he turns back to the sea. And I said, I don't know about this, Lord. 
I only got a little stick. I ain't going to make a wave there. Amen. Well, well, I don't know what you're going to do here. But the people are behind him. They don't see his face. He's, he's worried. He says, you know what? You told me to do this. I'm going to do it. Not my way, but your way. And he reaches up to the sky. And he slams it. And the sea parted. His eyes are closed. And he opens them and goes, He's like, oh, I, I, come on, I told you, come on. And confidence rose up in Moses, amen. But here he is, looking like a fool for Jesus. Looking like a fool. This is going to make me look foolish, but let's go for it. And he obeyed God. And the results speak for themselves. You see, his willingness to look foolish resulted in a great and powerful miracle. Imagine if Moses said, I don't think so, God. What would have happened? See, circling our prayers often at times feels foolish. Because the bigger the circle, the more foolish we look. But are you willing, come on, if you're not willing to step out of the boat, uh, and when, when Jesus asks you to do something, you'll never, never walk on water, church. If you're not willing to circle the promise, uh, the wall will never fall down. Church, if you're not willing to follow Jesus, amen, and learn to be still in God, you will miss out on the greatest adventure of your life. See, I'm having a great time with Jesus. Hallelujah. Has it been easy? No. I'd be lying. I say it's been a, it's been it's been it's been just easy doing this this walk and following and being the disciple. But I can tell you one thing: it's truly been an adventure. I've seen God work some miracles. I've seen God do some things in in my life through this ministry, through other other things. That God, it's been an adventure serving the Lord. Come on, Hallelujah. Listen, in order to experience a miracle, you have to be willing to take a risk. One of the most difficult types of risks to take, listen, church, is the one that makes you look foolish. The one that puts your reputation on the line. See, the greatest chapters in history always began with a risk. My wife and I took a risk coming to Las Vegas. Come on. People made fun of us. And these people belong to the church. I'm serious. Those brothers like, oh, look at Lord. Oh, we're going to Vegas. We're in Vegas. And these are my brothers. <laughs> I'm like, thanks for the encouragement. Hallelujah. I felt like going. I didn't feel like going now. now. But we came out and we took a risk. I uprooted my family, moved out here. Amen. We took a risk. But look what the Lord has done done hallelujah look what the lord has done hallelujah and the same is true with you with the chapters of your life it begins when you got saved we all took a risk right is it gonna work is this jesus thing really gonna work is he really gonna heal my marriage is he really gonna deliver me from drugs is he really gonna put my life together come on we tried okay come on we took a risk we got up we answered the all the call we didn't know what was gonna happen but we took a risk And look what the Lord has done. See, if you're not willing 
to risk your reputation. You will never build a boat like Noah. You will never get out of the boat like Peter. Listen, you cannot build God's reputation if you're not willing to risk your own. It's about dreaming big and taking risks for Jesus. People who circle their promises, those who are still in prayer, are risk takers. Listen, if you don't take the risk, you forfeit the promise. You forfeit the miracle in your life. If Moses didn't take the risk of looking foolish and putting that staff in in the Red Sea, the miracle would have been forfeited. If my wife and I were not willing to step out and come out to Vegas, the miracle would have been forfeited. If you are not willing to stand still and believe God in your situation, you forfeit the miracle. Are are you listening, church? How many love miracles? Come on. How many love food? I love miracles. I love food. So you can say I I love food miracles. The Bible's full of food miracles. And the one that stands out to me, amen, is the, the day that God provided quail in the middle of the desert. Come on, the, the, here are the Israelites. Come on, they, they have seen miracle after miracle up to this point. They have seen miracles that have blown their minds. They, they have seen, them, seen God take them out of bondage. They have seen the parting of the Red Sea. My Lord, imagine seeing that. They've seen that, yet they are still complaining. We got any complainers in the house? Don't raise your hand. No. And don't look at them either. Isn't it funny how people can still complain when God has done so much for them? Well, I was waiting for one of those, brother. God hears the cries of the Israel for food, and he gives them bread from heaven. But after a while, guess what? They're complaining again. All we eat is manna. Manna, manna, manna. Manna tacos, manna burritos, manna enchiladas. I mean, we're tired of manna. They're they're fed up with manna, amen. In the book of Numbers chapter 11, they're complaining about the manna, and they start craving for what? Meat. I want meat. Come on. I can go for a double-double animal style right now. Hallelujah, right? But they're here. They're they're, they're complaining about the manna, and they say, we want meat. We want some fish. We want something different than, than manna. Look what it says in Numbers 11. Verses 4 to 6. And I'm going to read it out of the Message Bible because it, it just reads better. Amen. It says, The riffraff among the people had a craving, and they soon had the people of Israel whining. I mean, know that sometimes there's some riffraff among us that stir things up. Amen. Come on. This is what's happening here, amen. They, these, this riffraff is going around, and they start spreading this. Come on, aren't you tired of the manna? Don't you want meat? Like, yeah, we want meat. Yeah, don't. Come on. And they start whining. 
they're whining. They, they get the whole, the whole camp whining. And it goes on to say, why can't we have meat? We, had, we ate fish in Egypt, and we got it for free. To say nothing of cucumbers, melons, salsa, cheese. You know, they, they start naming all the food that they had back there, onions, garlic. But nothing tastes good out here. All we get is manna, manna, manna. Can't you see they're, they're tired of manna? I mean, they're, they're, they're fed up. They want meat. The Israelites are complaining. But I, can I tell you something? Isn't that like us? If, it's, if, we, if we're honest, if we were there, we'd be complaining too. No, don't look at me all holy. I wouldn't. Strain out your halo, you know. Now, like I said before, I love food. And I love meat. Come on, I like especially a good steak. Come on, somebody. Especially a nice ribeye. Oh, my Lord. Let's go eat, guys. Come on. Hallelujah. <laughs> I got your attention now. Ribeye. Everyone like, ribeye. But why is it, church, that we always go back to our past? Why is it that we have to go back to Egypt? When things ain't working out in the church, we think about leaving. When things aren't working out for us, we want to leave. When things are not working out, we think we had a greater time out there than we're doing right now. And we start to reflect, uh, come on, how fun it was back in Egypt. In re, but in reality, we were all miserable. That is why we came to church. Hello. But we forget all that. And here we are saying, man, the food was so good back in Egypt. Talk about selective memory. The Israelites remember the free food they ate in Egypt and forget the fact and then forget the fact it was free. They weren't. They were in bondage. They were beaten. The Israelites were not just slaves. They were victims of abuse. Yet, they missed the meat on the menu back in Egypt. Here they are in the book of Numbers, and they're complaining. Listen, complaining on one miracle. The manna church was a miracle. Don't, don't forget that. It was a miracle. The manna was a miracle. So they're complaining about one miracle while asking for another. They're complaining about one miracle that God meant for them and says, you know what, God, you can do better than this. Yes, God, you, you saved me, but you can do better than this. Yes, God, you delivered me from drugs, but you can do better than this. We forget about the miracle that he provided. They're grumbling, they're wailing, they're whining. Man, I hate to pastor that church. Bunch of whiners. Oh, man, I don't know what I'd do if I had a church just full of 
whiners, amen, hallelujah. They're whining about the manna, complaining about the miracle. Yet, that was delivered to them. This miracle was delivered to, to their doorstep each and every day. Here's some food. God would deliver this manna to them every day to their door. They didn't have to go work for it. They didn't have to go out there. God delivered them. Talk about Uber. Uber Eats, amen, hallelujah. Uber Eats was created way back then, not today, hallelujah. God created Uber Eats, amen, DoorDash and all this other stuff. They were delivered right to their doorstep. Yet they're complaining. There are miracles, church, all around us. You can look at your life right now and you can say, man, I'm a miracle. How many are miracles in this place? Come on. Come on, hallelujah. Come on, you can say, man, I, I should have been dead, but I'm alive, amen. I should have been going to hell, amen, but I'm going to heaven, amen. I was bound, amen, but Jesus, he set me free. Come on, somebody. Come on, hallelujah. Those are miracles. We are surrounded by miracles all the time, yet it's so easy to find something to complain about in the midst of those miracles. Listen, church, we take those manna miracles, the miracles that happen day in, day out, every day, for granted. And we start complaining like them. We're tired of the manna. Yet he delivered you, he restored you, and set you free. Come on, we're tired about that manna miracle in our life. God delivers, church. Despite of the Israelites complaining, God delivers again. God puts in a new order on Uber Eats. God patiently responds to their food trauma. And he delivers another order to them, to their doorstep. And God became angry, and Mar Moses, Moses is losing it now. Pastor has had enough, amen. He's losing it. Moses goes to God complaining. He tells God, where am I going to get all this meat for the people? God says, I'm going to take care. I'm going to deliver meat. I'm, I'm, he goes, where are you going to bring all the meat? Don't. They keep wailing. They Give us meat. Give us meat. Where's the beef? Where's the beef? Remember that commercial? Where's the beef? Some of you guys are too young for that, amen. I mean, Moses starts complaining. God goes, they're getting on my nerves. I mean, this pastor is losing it. You don't believe me? Turn to Numbers 11. Go down to verse 10 and 15. Watch, watch what. This is Moses right here. This is a great leader. This is the one that God used to part the Red Sea. He's, he's listening to God. But now he's had enough. He has enough of the complaining. He says, God, I... They complain here, you delivered. You complain here, you delivered. You know what? I'm, I'm sick and tired of these dudes. <laughs> I'm done. He's, he's come to a place of done. He, he stopped. Him himself stopped trusting in God. And now he's, he's starting to lose his faith in the Lord. And he's at a point, amen, where people are pushing him to the limit and saying, you know what? I want to quit. Come on. Hallelujah. You ever felt like quitting? Come on. 
Here they are. They, 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 he's at this point. This, look, look, look what, what happens here. Look, and it says, in, in Numbers 11, verse 10 to 15, it says, Moses heard the people of every family wailing at the entrance of their tents. Now, not only they're complaining, they're wailing. And let me tell you that he's walking the, the camp, and every family's at the entrance of their tent. Imagine waking up every morning to that. I mean, the whole the whole camp is just wailing. As the kids waiting, come on, wail. Here comes Moses, wail. This is what's going on. That, that's what it says. They're wailing. The family, not not just a man, not just the family, is wailing at the entrance of their tents. And the Lord became exceedingly angry, and Moses was troubled. And then he asked the Lord, "Why?" Now he's questioning God. Now the people have driven him to the point where he's now mad at God. So he comes to God and he says, "Why have you brought this trouble on your servant?" Then he goes on to say, what have I done to you to displease you that you put the burden? You went like that burden of these people on me. Did I conceive them? It says that. Did I conceive them? Did I give birth? Why do you tell, uh, why you, why do you tell me to carry them in my arms as a nurse carries an infant to the land you promised to, uh, to their Oath on their ancestors. Ancestors. <laughs> Sound like fire, Marshall Bill, huh? <laughs> Are you guys still old for that? <laughs> Too young for that? To the land you promise an oath to their ancestors. Where can I get all the meat for all these people? They keep wailing. Give us meat to eat. Give us meat to eat. That's what they're willing at the, at the tents. Give us meat to eat. I cannot carry all these people by myself. This is Moses talking to God. He's complaining. He's done. He's, he's done with them. The burden is too heavy for me. And if you know this, how is it that you're treating me like this? Then he goes ahead and look it. Please go ahead. And kill me. He says, kill me. If this is how you're going to treat me, God, then go ahead and kill me. He says, it's better off to be dead with these people. <laughs> In other words, I'm done. They're complaining. They, man, you provide God. They, I, they don't know how to listen. Just kill me. I'm done. And he says, if I found favor in your eyes, don't let, my, let me face my own ruins. I'll make him feel Moses here. I mean, he's, he's doing everything the Lord has told him to do. He's pasturing these people of thousands, leading them to the promised land. God delivers a miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. Now it gets to Moses. He says, man, I'm done. I'm done pastoring these people. They don't get it. They don't get it, God. But not only does God promise a one-course meal of meat, listen, 
God promises meat for a month. And he tells Moses, you're going to have so much meat, look it, that it's going to come out of their nostrils. But Moses can't believe it. He's like, nah. <laughs> really, he, he's complaining. Now Moses, God answers him, and, and then Moses answers back, no. Come on, God. Come on. Really, don't tell me that. Go down to Numbers 11, verse 21 to 22, NIV. But Moses said, now he's questioning God. This is the question. He goes, I'm here among 6,000 men on foot. And you say, look how he tells them, and you say, I will give them meat to eat for a whole month? Would they have enough flocks and herds were slaughtered for them? Would they have enough if all fish in the sea were caught for them? Now he's telling God, no, where, where are you going to get all this meat from, church? God, come on, you got, you got some hidden herds out there that we can't see. Come on, if I, you got some fishermen that are going to fish and take all the fish from the sea to feed 6,000 men? These are just the men. I'm not looking at women, children. Really, God. See, Moses is doing the math in his head. Moses is saying, you know what? This, this, this doesn't add up. It doesn't even come close. He's trying to figure out how is God going to do this? Maybe he can bring it for a month. Amen. But I don't see how he can do it for a whole month. Just like us, right? You ever try to figure God out? Come on, be honest. Come on. How are you going to do this, God? Come on, how, how are you going to heal this? How, how are you going to turn this around? How are you going to fix this marriage? This, this marriage is over. How are you going to do it, God? You ever, you ever, how, how are you going to deliver my son? Come on. How am I really going to kick this habit, God? Really, how, how, how am I going to, how are you going to do this? How are you going to fix this? This is a so broken. How are you, have you ever questioned God? It just, it just doesn't make sense at times. It, it, it just doesn't add up at times what God's wanting us to do and seeing the, the things in front of us, the circumstances that we're facing, and says, there's just no way. Come on, are we honest? God wants you to take a job that pays less. It, it just doesn't make sense. God wants you to fast for your marriage. It sometimes doesn't make sense. Come on. God wants you to pledge X amount of dollars. It just doesn't add up. Which brings me to a story, a true story. You see, back in August of 2001, over 18 years ago, my wife and I were driving around Las Vegas looking for a building to start this church. And we looked at many places around Vegas. They were either too much or they didn't want a church in their facility or it just didn't feel right. And I, I really didn't know how to ask or what even what to ask to owners or management companies. I, If I can be honest, I felt kind of foolish in my approach. No one taught us this. There was not a book given to us 
art when you go look for a building, go to chapter two of our manual and they'll tell you how to ask for the building and the, the things that you need and all this stuff. I, I, I didn't know that. I just came out and, and uh, we we're out here and like, okay, now what do we do? <laughs> I, really, I, that's how I felt. I, I, I knew how to minister. I knew how to put a word. I knew how to minister to people. I knew how to lead somebody to Christ. I, I knew those basic things, but to get a building, it, I, I, did not, I didn't know how to do that. I looked foolish every time I would talk to somebody, and, they, and sometimes they would look at me like, not, not rent to me because I didn't seem confident. And here I am driving around the city. This went on for, for weeks. And I, I started thinking, you know what? Who's going to rent to us? We, we don't even know what we're doing. And one day we're driving down Sahara, and my wife, who's never felt foolish, <laughs> I'm giving her a little praise, amen, hallelujah, little point for her. <laughs> no, she's, she, there's, tell the truth, amen. I'm pretty sure she was foolish praying for this knucklehead for 10 years, thinking there's no way he's going to get saved, but that's another story. But here we are. We're driving down Sahara. My wife says, look, a forensic sign. Let's go see. And, and she was always just, let's go. She's a risk taker. My wife's a risk taker. My wife says, just go do it. Go on. That's, the kind of, that's what she is. Amen. And so I just describe who, how, how I'm feeling. I, I'm foolish. I'm discouraged already. I'm driving around. Doors are being shut. I don't know how to ask. I, I feel like, man, this is a whole. This is a big mistake coming out here. I, I don't know what, what what I'm doing. And so we drove into the parking lot. And, and the reason why we had to find a building is because we were living with her family. And I didn't want to start church there. We already moved in. Now I'm going to invite visitors. Uh, by the way, we got some visitors coming today. <laughs> I couldn't do that, and so I kind of explained that to my pastor. I said, I, I, need a, I need a building. Can I look around? So I'm looking around. So this brings me to this point. I'm looking around. So we drive into this parking lot, and, and I park. I don't park close. I park far away. And so we park, and, and my wife says, there's the building right there. And feeling discouraged and foolish, my wife told me, you know, I, I tell my wife, this place is a lot nicer than the ones that we've been seeing. And it was. It was a little nicer construction. It looked like a nicer parking lot. There was a Tony Roma's there, a Marie Candler's there. So I said, man, there, it, it, the food was there. Hallelujah. <laughs> the church wasn't there, but the food was there. You know, and so it looked good, and, but it, was a lot, it looked a lot nicer. And I said, there is no way that we can get into this place. I'm thinking this. We can't afford this. I'm like, we can't afford it. Let's go. That's why I tell her. Let's go. I'm tired. Let's go. Want Tony Romans? We'll go eat Tony Romans, but let's go. <laughs> and my wife tells me, look, someone's walking out the building. Just go ask to see how much. Like, here I am, like this, manna, manna, manna. And so, hurry up. She's, he's getting into his car. Go catch him. And so I get out of the car and I pretend like I'm running. <laughs> I am. I'm, uh, okay. I'm like, yeah. I don't want him to see me. I, I really don't want to. I don't want to meet this guy. I already know that there's no way we're going to get in this building. And so, and so 
He went like this, and the car turns on, and I said, oh, he's leaving. And so I, I start going back. I say, he's gone. And then, he, then my wife says, he's pulling back in. And he pulled back in, parked, and he went into the building. He goes, he went back into the building like I said, okay, come on, let's go. And so we go in there, and I, I meet this, this gentleman. And he's in there, and he's the maintenance guy. He's the one that's prepping the, the building. And we walk in, and I said, can, can we check out the building? We're looking for a, a, a place for our church and to start a church. And so can I, can I check out this building? So I'm just going to go through the motions. Go through the motions, do whatever, thank you, bye-bye. Let's go. <laughs> you know. in the, and it was a freshly carpeted. Freshly painted, and it looked ideal for a church. Had a back room already, a little kitchen, and it's it's just perfect. Twelve hundred square foot building, small building, and uh, and so I said, this is really nice. And so I'm thinking, oh, how much is this going to be? And so I asked him, sir, uh, how much is this? And he tells me the price. And I'm like, there is no way. I said, you know what? I'm sorry, sir. Uh, We're wasting your time. You know, this is way out of Hundreds above what we're, we're, we're even thinking of paying for, you know. Uh, I mean, I don't even have a church. This is me, me, and my wife, so we can't afford this. So thank you. Thank you for showing us, and, and uh, let's get it. Oh, let's go. And he goes, well, I know the owner personally. He likes working with churches. He's a Jewish man. Jewish. I said, oh, he's not going to give me no special here. He goes, let me, let me give you, can you give me your number and I'll give it to him. And so I write down this number like, this guy's not calling me. <laughs> and so I tell him, okay, here's, here's my number. And I say, Thank, thanks for showing the building. He goes, all right, see you later. And then a few days go by and uh, this man calls me. And he goes, hey, I'm so-and-so. You're at one of our properties. Uh, so-and-so showed it to you. And, and I said, oh, yeah, 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 on Sahara? And he goes, yeah, the one on Sahara. And he goes, well, uh, thank you for calling me, but the price he gave me, there is no possible way. Even if you, you got to drop it down hundreds, hundreds, we can't afford it. It's just me and my wife. We're just starting a church. Uh, there's not a flow coming in. And so, uh, you know. Thank you for calling, but even if you lowered it a little bit, there'll be no way I, we can afford this. I said, I, I thank you. So I'm trying to get rid of them. He said, thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, goodbye. And he goes, wait, 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 wait. How much can you afford? And I said, oh, yeah? Hmm. I'm thinking in my mind. Thinking, oh, $100? No, no. <laughs> that's, that's what <laughs> I didn't tell him that. Now, I, I kind of just told him what we can afford with, you know, I was starting to work. My wife was working. And so I, I was saying, well, this amount of X dollars is coming in. So there's some ties there that we can take care of, a, you know, mu- much of the rent. And we probably needed a little help from the, from the mama church to get us going here. And so I'm thinking, kind of doing the math in my head real quick. And I said, ah, we can afford this. Give him a reasonable price. It was still hundreds lower. And he says, Okay. That's how I looked. <laughs> the silence were on. He goes, he goes I, I think you misunderstood the amount I told you. He goes, no, I understand the amount. You told me this. And I said, oh, yeah, that's the amount. He goes, I'll give you this amount. He goes, uh, let's do it. 
And I said, well, wait, 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 wait up. You know, I got to talk to my pastor. I got to talk to see if this is okay and so forth. And he says, okay, well, do your pastor thing talk or whatever you're going to do. Say, so just, I'm just looking for this as a down payment. And when you call your pastor, tell her this. I'll give you two months free. And I'll lower it for here to this payment. And after six months, I'll raise it up only $100. But please don't tell any of the tenants what I'm giving it to you because they'll start complaining. Manna, 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 you know. <laughs> and I said, no possible way. No. Well, let me, let me get back to you. And so, of course, I'm like, yeah. I'm calling Pastor Neville right there. Hallelujah. I said, Pastor Neville, uh, this is what we ran into. And she was kind of, she was kind of just being, you know what, you know, past Art, she calls me Art. Art, you know, maybe, maybe just wait about it. Wait a little bit. You know, why don't you wait six months and just wait? And I said, Pastor, I want to start now. This is great. He goes, I'm getting two months free. You know, and he's asking only for this amount for a down payment. And, and we, we got no rent for two months. I'll build the church and we'll, we'll get rocking. So I had to convince her, and she, she finally says, you know what, go for it. So the checks is sent. And so I called him back up, and I said, you know, sir, uh, I, I talked to my pastor, and, uh, and uh, let's do this. And so I'm here to let you know that nothing was ever filled out. There is no application. There is nothing that we have. He, I, I only know him through telephone. And so nothing said, let's do this. And, and all he knows is I'm Pastor Art that wants to start Praise Chapel, Las Vegas. And so, well, once you meet me at this day, and I deposit check, I'll give you the keys. And I said, sure, let's do this. And so we go back, and I, I give him a check, and I meet the, the owner. And I, and I, I hand him the check. He sh shakes my hand, and he drops the keys in my hands, and he goes, half church, and walks away. And this is why we're here today. Because I was willing to look a little foolish for a miracle. I don't know about you. That's a miracle. No documentation, no paperwork, no name, no ad, no, no, no credit check, no nothing. Have church. I give him one check. He hands me kids. Have church. And imagine if I didn't want to look foolish for one more time, I would have forfeit the miracle. And God's showing off and saying, you know what, son, I got this. You may, not, you may not know what to do, but I know what to do, and I know how to move people my way. And he touched this man's heart to look at me and give me favor. And, uh, and the rest is history, you know. Of course, coming to this building was a little different. I thought it would be the same way. Give you a check, come me a check. Say, say, you know, have church. No, no. I need your asses worth. I need. <laughs> there was, of course, I learned the legal part of it moving into this place. Amen. It was a little different, but it was still a favor. It was God's favor. You know, coming into this place, not to give you a real quick testimony, there was nothing here. What you see, there was no ceiling. There was, the ground was just gravel. There was no walls. There was nothing, nothing in this place. So just the pole, just the pole. That wall was out. There was, this was not closed. It was, 
you know, everything. There was no flooring. There was, there was a lot of work to be done coming into this place. But, but God, God, God challenged us. We, we, we raised the money. We, we had the money to the finances to get into this place and do what we needed to do. But, but I'm, I'm, I'm writing, I'm, I'm doing a proposal. I didn't know what a proposal was. And so I'm writing a proposal for this building. And so as God gave me favor, as I started talking to different management companies, they, they tell me, you've got to bring a proposal. You've got to tell them what you want, your request, and all this stuff. And so they're teaching me how to do a proposal, each, each uh, leasing agent that I'm talking to, to. So I came to this place, so I, I put down a proposal. Tell them what you want. Tell them about the air conditioner. Tell them what, you know, deductibles, all this stuff. And so I'm writing all these notes down. And so I come with a proposal. And so I, I give them a floor plan. And so I just drew a floor plan for myself, saying, well, there's no walls. I, I, I need to create the sanctuary. I need to create some rooms. And so I'm drawing this, and this is what I did in school was architectural drafting. So I'm doing this for my own. This is what I need to do to, to make it look like a church. And so I'm writing this, and I'm, I'm trying to figure out how much, who I'm going to hire, who I'm going to do with this. But I submitted this in my plans and proposal. And I put, you know, new wall, and I'm doing all this stuff, classroom one, whatever. And so they approved the proposal with those plans that I drew. And they paid for all this. They paid for all this. Was it, I, 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 was, I was willing to pay. I was like, I got to do this work. But they put it into the proposal. They thought it was part of the proposal. And they accepted it. And they bring out the, their own contractors. They pulled out all the, all the licensing, all the, all the legal stuff, and built all this right there. And God blew us away again. Come on, hallelujah. Those are the miracles of God, amen, when you're willing to look foolish. The question is, are you willing to take a risk even if it makes you look foolish? Amen? I'm going to close today. You know, meat for a month seemed like an impossible promise. And Moses had to decide whether or not he was going to take the risk in prayer. You see, about 1,500 years later, another food miracle took place. A crowd of 5,000 were listening to Jesus. And he didn't want them to spend, send them home hungry. There was no food around to feed them. But a little boy came by and offered his sack lunch that had five loaves of bread and two fishes. Andrew looked at him and he said, no, son, this is a nice gesture, but he started doing the math. He says, this, this sack lunch is not going to feed all these people. I mean, five plus two equals what? Seven. But when you give what you have to God, he can multiply five plus two to equal 5,000. His disciples actually ended up more than they started with. Listen, church, if you put what little you have into God's hands, it won't add up. It won't make sense. But my God will multiply it and cause you to praise through it. Come on, somebody. Come on. You put what you have, the little that you have, the the little faith that you have, the little what you have into God's hands. He will create a miracle for you. I came broken. Church, when I got saved, I was broken. 
about to lose my marriage, about to lose everything I had, and I gave God the little, and I didn't have much, church. I, just, I was just a broken man, a drunk. And I said, God, here's my life. If you can do anything with this, I put it in your hands. And I did that, and I stepped to the altar, and I took a risk. I took a risk and looked like a fool for Jesus. And I said, okay, God, fix me. And he turned my life around. He used what little I had. Healed me, delivered me, restored my life. Uses me. We're out here 18 years later. All because I'm willing to look like a fool for Jesus. Don't, don't ever think, uh, what can I offer God? Just offer your life. That's all he wants. Make yourself available to watch what God does.